0: And we are back. Welcome back into the Pigskin Cafe. My name is Hampton Sipper, and I will be your host this evening, guiding you through a little Alabama-Arkansas recap and a look ahead to the Alabama-Texas m game. And I thought, who else would be better to join me tonight than Locked On Bama and On Three's very own Jimmy Stein. Jimmy, how are we doing
1: tonight, man? Awesome, awesome. We've been looking forward to this week since May. Since the uh, Nick Saban and Jimbo Fisher spat, and here we are. We're as excited about it as ever, and college game day is going to Lawrence, Kansas. To <laughs>
0: and- well, we held up our end of the bargain. Am's we- the one that, that dropped the ball, that is for sure. <laughs> That's for sure. But nonetheless it's going to be a fun game, and we'll get to previewing tech M, Alabama. But before we do that, we got to talk about Alabama's trip to Fayetteville, Arkansas. This past Saturday, Alabama jumped out to a 28-0 lead. Arkansas came back right before the half, scored a quick touchdown, took the opening um, possession or scored um, 16 points after that to make it 28-23. Then Alabama went on a 21-3 run in the fourth quarter. And as you described on many podcasts, it was a game in three acts. Alabama dominance. Alabama low with Arkansas kind of rearing, um, roaring back, and then ending with Alabama dominance. So I want to start with probably where we got to start, which is Jalen Milrow coming in the game for Bryce Young after um, he suffered a shoulder injury on a ball that he was trying to throw away to kind of get away from the grasp of Drew Sanders. Um, I know how high you are on Milrow. I've always said, I pray I love a woman. One day, as much as you love Jalen Milrow, um, (laughs) (laughs) um, because I remember you did your countdown, I believe it was even last year, um, before the 2021 season, you were talking how uh, much upside you think this kid has, and he showed a lot of it on Saturday. So what did you make of his performance? What impressed you the most? And if Alabama um, has to continue with Milrow, what do you think that they're going to utilize, or how do you think they're going to utilize his skill set best?
1: I think, first of all, Hampton, you have to start with this. Uh, when Jalen Milrow entered the game, Alabama led 14 to nothing, uh, which, which is a decent lead for sure. But you're on the road. You're in Fayetteville against a top-20 team, uh, against a team that believes they're going to win the game, by the way. I mean, Arkansas didn't go into that game uh, believing they were going to get blown out by, by the Saban juggernaut. They, they went into the game believing they would win. And Milrow goes on the road. 14 to nothing lead, and then from that point forward outscores Arkansas himself, 35 to 26. So Milroe is now basically uh, in his first action ever with live bullets firing, uh, leads Alabama to a 35-26 road victory over Arkansas. And you're just not going to find that a lot in college football anywhere. Uh, I think in terms of his leadership, in terms of his poise, in terms of having the ball in his hands as many times as he did and never giving it away, no interceptions, uh, no fumbles lost. He did have a fumble very, very, very late, but, the, but the Alabama recovered. Uh, I, I think Milrow's performance was pretty incredible. Now, if you only judge a quarterback's performance by how many passes did you complete and how great did you look while you were doing it, then you're going to be upset, but you're probably upset a lot about a lot of things. Uh, I I think the coaches were thrilled with what Milrow did in a difficult situation. And I think considering this was his first action with live fire, uh, I think he was superb. Uh, Are there things to work on? Uh, There's a lot to work on, uh, particularly with him throwing the ball accurately down the field and that becoming a bigger part of his arsenal but overall I think any Alabama fan should be thrilled with what Jalen Milrow was able to do on the road against a good team and again uh, it was 14 nothing when he left they scored 26 after that but it didn't matter because Jalen led Alabama to score 35 points in two and a half quarters that's really impressive period
0: Mm -hmm. absolutely and I think, um, I, you know, I've listened to a lot of your pods this week and other Alabama-affiliated pods, and someone made a really good point about when Tua got hurt against Tennessee and Mac Jones came in the game. And, you know, Mac did not play nearly as well as Jalen Milrow did coming in to this Arkansas game, and that's with limited reps throughout the week, a game plan that is for Bryce, not for him. And I thought even though, like you said, a typical – Quarter a quarterback metric of completing balls, um, passing yards, all that was not that impressive, but his poise was incredible. He never um, seemed frazzled in the situation. After the game, I mean, I already know what type of kid he is, kind of because he's on that um, SEC Leadership Council, I believe, or something like that. He's a um, ambassador for Alabama, and just the way. Um, He kind of handled that moment. The first thing he did was go and talk to Bryce, make sure he was okay. And then he said, I talked to God and um, kind of got his bearings that way. I mean, just a very impressive kid. And then the game's in the balance, third and 15. And he's just like, well, heck, I'll do it myself, man. And takes off and has one of, honestly, probably the most impressive run I've ever seen by an Alabama quarterback. Um, I mean, it's uh, it's up there with maybe Blake Sims versus Texas A&M in 2014 when they beat him 59 to nothing. Um, Just really impressed by that kid. And I think um, with a full week of practice, full week of first team reps, um, he can kind of improve on some of the areas that were lacking on Saturday, like you talked about. Um, the tu- you know the touch with the ball because I mean right now he's just got a straight fastball, um, you know the touch isn't quite there but I think he can develop that kind of like you said
1: exactly and and hey when we say Jalen Milrow is fast you know in the past we've had pretty effective running quarterbacks I'm not gonna th- uh, I'm not making fun of him but we used to believe uh, in Hampton you were really young then but we used to believe that Tyler Watts <laughs> I don't even think I was born. <laughs> Tyler Watts was very effective running the ball he was mm-hmm. an effective runner uh, Alabama's had a lot of quarterbacks like Tyler Watts who were effective runners Blake Sims was legit fast mm-hmm. uh, uh, Bryce is legit fast we just don't see it very much but Jalen Milrow is Jalen Waddle fast mm-hmm. fast compared to the fastest guys we've ever had on the team. I mean, Milrow's speed, it goes way beyond what we consider fast for a quarterback. He's not fast for a quarterback. He's fast for a skilled wide receiver. or mm-hmm. you no. Know, um, and much fast. As a matter of fact, one of the things I was shocked to see Hampton, because I know you saw the tweet from David blue, the Alabama strength coach who uh, listed uh, the top speeds reached in the game by seven mm-hmm. Alabama football players, I was shocked to see that Jameer Gibbs was a, a hair step faster than Milrow. Uh, mm-hmm. but I believe if Gibbs and Milrow raced in the 40 or the 100, uh, Milrow is faster. I, I believe that. Now, Gibbs may get up to fast speed and, and, and Milrow maybe not hit that speed. I'm just saying that, hey, if they're racing 40 yards or 100 yards, my, my money is on Milrow in terms of being a faster kid than even Jameer Gibbs. And uh, I think Milrow's speed is uh, similar to uh, Waddle and mm-hmm. uh, Henry Ruggs. Uh, I, I think Milro's that fast. And to see him in the open field running as fast as he possibly can. Hey, the Arkansas DB had a good angle on him and barely caught him at the three-yard line. with mm-hmm. the- So, yeah, his speed is awesome. But let's be honest. Hey, that's great when you're playing wide receiver. But Jalen Milrow's a quarterback. Mm-hmm. Ultimately. He's going to be evaluated on how he throws the football, and that's going to be a work in progress. It is. That's why I often bring up Jalen Hurts when I talk about Jalen Milrow because I think Hurts is a great example of a quarterback that uh, came to Alabama as one level passer, left Alabama as a different level passer, Mm -hmm. and continued to improve uh, in his career since he left Alabama. I think Milrow can be very similar in that way. I see a kid that's going to improve each and every year, uh, even beyond when he's no longer at Alabama, whenever that happens.
0: Mm -hmm. I think that's an excellent comp. Um, That is for sure. Jalen, when he was, you know, freshman, sophomore was not there, uh, was not an NFL caliber passer, but he put in the work, um, refined his mechanics and now he's a top five, top 10 quarterback in the NFL and, um, I couldn't be prouder of him because I'm going to be honest with you, Jimmy. When I was a, uh, when he was a freshman, sophomore, I never saw that coming. Never, right. ever, ever. Um, but that's a testament to his hard work and his determination and his mindset. So I think that's a great comp between the, those two. And when you're talking about Milrow being fast, it reminds me of um, after the no, 2015 National Championship game um, and Kenyon Drake runs the kickback. Sean Hay goes on SEC network and he said, he's fast, fast, you say bolt fast. <laughs> I was I mean that's Milro um, on Saturday, and he's built like a tank. I mean to be able to move that fast at 220 um, is just very impressive and I think his um, his best football is ahead of him, so um, we'll talk a little bit more about him when we get into the A and m preview, but I want to transition really quickly um, to the receivers before we get into the running back and um, O-line. So the receivers on Saturday were kind of interesting. Um, we had the veterans who, to Corey Brooks the week prior, I'm like, all right, man, he's he's taking that number one spot, um, taking the bull by the horns, and then he drops every pass that's thrown to him, unfortunately, on Saturday. Treshawn Holden didn't have a great day. Uh, Jermaine Burton was quiet, but he also had a chance for a 70-yard touchdown that completely would have changed how we viewed his performance. Um, But it was a little underthrown by Milrow. But what we did have was Kobe Prentice leading the team with three catches for 92 yards. And Isaiah Bond with a huge catch um, in the first quarter um, from Bryce Young. He had two for 76. um, And his second caught ball um, when he caught it on that kind of that curl route, and then made a move on the defender, I mean, I don't, I it, I know a lot of people said it reminded them of waddle, and it did me a little bit. I saw a little Calvin Ridley in there with like kind of his movement, and his um, stop-start ability. Um, so, what do you make of kind of the receiver room, and especially those two freshmen stepping up, contributing in a
1: big way? Yeah, I'd also include JoJo Earl in, not as a freshman, yep. but. Younger guy, you know, he, he just had one catch, but it was big because it was a touchdown. Um, I think that there's a good core being built right now. And uh, I know we're going to talk about the offensive line shortly, but I like comparing it to that because really going into this season, Hampton, I know you agreed uh, with me that really the big two question marks for this team in terms of the personnel were the offensive line and the wide receiver unit. They were the big question marks that we had. Um, the offensive line is is answering it already. They're, they're clearly better than, than any reasonable hope uh, and, and getting even better. The wide receivers, probably not. I, I think that's still a concern mm-hmm. uh, and it's still something that's being built. However, this past weekend gives us some hope because even though the veterans were disappointing to some extent, you know, Brooks, Holden, Burton, uh, very little production, and the production all came from the young guys, Prentice, Bond, JoJo. Well, now you got six, right? Now there's options. Now there's more than, hey, you know, even last year, there were really just two or 2.5 you considered Slade, you know, along uh, with Match and, and, and J-Mo. Uh, now it's a deeper group, not deeper in terms of guys you can compare to J-Mo and Match or Calvin, as you mentioned, or Judy, or Devonte, but at least there's six guys that you know that have done it, that can do it, and you just hope that each week a couple of the six show mm-hmm. up. Yeah. Um, now Jermaine Burton, I'll say this: uh, when when I did the rewatch the last two days, I watched first half yesterday and the second half today, and commented it on the on the Bayman Insider board uh, message board. Um, you know what I, what I really have noticed about Jermaine Burton is. I think a lot of Alabama fans are like, we thought we'd get more production. We thought he'd be wide receiver one. He is. He would be. We just keep missing him. Milrow missed him twice. twice. Not only was the under throw on the long play, there was a slant on an RPO earlier where it was a tougher throw. I'm not saying Milrow really screwed that up. That was a tough throw, but Burton had a step and had it hit him right in his three. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. Right in stride, he probably houses that from 85 yards. I mean, it, it, he had run a good route and had separated, and it would have taken a great throw. But my point is, Burton has been open. Bryce has missed him multiple times deep. Now, mm-hmm. uh, Milrose missed him twice. I think, had we been hitting Burton this whole time, we wouldn't be questioning him. he uh, mm-hmm. be really good. Uh, but we haven't hit him. And, uh, and and also be fair, we have thrown catchable balls to him, and he's had a couple of drops. Mm-hmm. and hasn't been open as much as we'd like to see him. But mm-hmm. well, my, my hope is, Hampton, that the wide receiver core is coming around, and we've added some pieces this past weekend. We just need to get more consistent play, and then we might have this exciting blend of veterans and youngsters. And hopefully – three or four games from now, we're talking about the wide receiver core in the same way we're going to talk about the offensive line group today, which is, hey, our veterans and our young guys came together pretty quick, and these guys are, are probably playing better than, than any reasonable hope.
0: Mm-hmm. Couldn't agree more. Couldn't agree more, especially on that Burton point, because I think once we start hitting him, the offense is going to go to another level, and I think that perception of him is going to change because you mentioned it. Utah State, Bryce missed him. Texas, he had a long one. He got held, no call. Louisiana Monroe, he was deep for another one. Bryce missed him. Then Milrow misses a couple. I mean, that's – I mean, you know, ifs and buts, you know, aside, that's like three to 400 yards that he's missing out on potentially – Right. that aren't his fault which I mean that happens anywhere and everywhere but the perception of him would be vastly different if he had hit on those deep balls so I'm looking forward to kind of seeing his improvement along with those youngsters like you mentioned because I think they have a lot of potential and even I'll ask you this real quick before we kind of move on to the O-line do you foresee Aaron Anderson getting in the mix any I know he put I know he's missed a lot of time I know um you know, he had some buzz kind of in fall camp. But do you think him – you could see him getting in the rotation at
1: all? I think at this point, on the on the one hand, you're so desperate for, hey, can someone lead this group? Can someone really be the mm-hmm. playmaker? That, yeah, you want to see Aaron Anderson. You want to see Tyler Harrell, you know, as like, hey, can you all put your hats in the ring? But at the other hand, you know, now we got six guys mm-hmm. that are all proven to some extent. You know, we've yeah. seen – have the big game we know Burton's a guy we know Holden can catch several balls in a game and now here comes Prentice here comes Bond here comes Jojo so now that there's six I think there's less urgency Mm -hmm. I think Aaron Anderson and Tyler Harrell both are probably gonna have to earn it on the practice field a little bit because now that you got six now it's getting a little crowded and that's a good Mm -hmm. thing it's a good but they're gonna have to earn it on the practice field because if you look at Nick Saban's history at Alabama, there hasn't been a lot of seasons in which, you know, you're playing more than six receivers, you know, in terms of who's getting significant snaps. So I think Mm -hmm. a buffer for Aaron Anderson and Tyler Harrell right now. But on the other hand, uh, you know, you you still you still need playmakers and both of those guys can really run. Mm Mm-hmm.
0: I totally agree with you. Again, hate to be a broken record, but a great minds think like I totally agree with you on that. And we'll transition to the O-line. Running backs, Jameer Gibbs, 18 carries, 206 yards, couple tutties, um, looked, I mean, looked great, had his breakout performance. He, you know, he was kind of very close on those explosive plays in the first four games, but he really had his coming out performance. And a lot of that had to do with the offensive line. And Jimmy, I think I'm as excited about this group as you. And you know, you talked about the receiver of the receivers with Saban not going beyond that rotation much that he typically does. He's done with two position groups, kind of done something he hasn't normally done. And the offensive line is one of them. Because I I mean for the 15, 16 years he's been here, I've never seen him rotate a guard in like he is doing Tyler Booker. And it's not that Javion Cohen and Emil Ecuador have been horrible. They hadn't. They've been very solid, very competent. It's just that Booker has been that doggone good, and he adds a nastiness and a physicality to the group that other than probably J.C. Latham, it does not have. And I think he's kind of having a residual effect on the other guys. I mean, I've just been so impressed with that kid. I mean, on the Isaiah Bond pass... He took his guy and pancaked him on the ground and pass pro. I mean, pass pro is not passive. Shout out Cole Kublick. I mean, it. I've been so impressed with that kid. He's still learning position. But I think he's added that um, an athleticism and a tenacity that the group previously didn't have. And Eric Walford has done an incredible job. And I'm going to kind of kick it to you uh, what your thoughts are on the O-line are after this game. Very impressive performance by them.
1: Yeah, great uh, observation about how Nick Saban has not rotated on the offensive line since the whole time he's been in Alabama, and now he is. And the credit to that goes to Tyler Booker. I mean, Booker has earned this. He, mm-hmm. in my opinion, he outplays Cohen and Echior at guard. I think Booker's Agreed. uh He plays with a, a meanness. <laughs> There's some nastiness to him, which mm-hmm. is great in the offensive line, almost Landon Dickerson-like. Um uh, and I think Tyler Booker is on his way to being one of the greats at Alabama. And uh, I just love how he has played his way onto the field. I mean, he's played his way on the field. He gets on the field and he plays so well, you can't take him off the field. Uh, the shame of it, if you want to call it that, is Javion Cohen is playing really well. Emil Echior is playing really well. Echior, for whatever reason, I can't remember this exact moment, but I think it was on one of the Gibbs runs, one of the Gibbs home runs, Echior just sealed the whole right side. Just took out mm-hmm. the right side, and and Gibbs just you know flew through it. Uh, Echior's fine, Cohen's fine, but Booker is so good, and, and, and Nick Saban is changing the way he coaches based on how good Booker's been. So my guess is they're going to stick with this rotation uh, because the offensive line is playing really well. It seems to be working, and you're you're keeping them fresh when you're not playing them the whole game. So shout out to Booker being so good. He's changed the way Nick Saban has done things on the offensive line after 16 years. I I think it's fair to say that should Booker stay healthy, he's on the Evan Neal track of, of being a, a a guard as a freshman and a tackle as a sophomore and a left tackle as a junior. And then Mm -hmm. NFL millions like Evan Neal, you know, who's the right tackle for the New York giants. Now, uh, Booker reminds me of him quite a bit, maybe not quite the athlete, but mm-hmm. um, but maybe a little bit more with the nastiness. Which yeah. Is really- so the offensive line has come together, and what I'll say is there's seven guys playing a lot right now. There's the five starters plus Booker plus a second center that had to play this weekend because the starting center, Darian Dalcourt, had back spasms and couldn't play on Saturday, and Seth McLaughlin came in and played outstanding Uh I think all seven have played really well. And the offensive line is a mile ahead of where I thought they might be. I would even go so far, Hampton, as to say the offensive line is playing better right now than they did at any point last season. They have improved. Uh, I credit Wolford. I credit the kids with improving. And uh, it's a good group. And I think by the end of this year, uh, I'm not not, going to say Joe Moore Award because that's ridiculous uh, based on what their expectations were. But I think by the end of this season, this may be one of the top two or three offensive lines in the SEC. That's miles ahead of where they were last season. Mm-hmm.
0: It is quite the improvement. And what's scary for the rest of the league is, I thought they run block pretty effectively against Vandy, but they did really well against Arkansas, especially in the second half. But since the Texas game, I think they've been elite in pass pro. They've kept Bryce clean, gave him plenty of time to survey the field. And they did a really good job of that against Arkansas, who had the sack leader in the nation, Drew Sanders, coming into that game. Um, they've right. got some dudes up front. So huge credit to them. Um, it's going to be interesting to see um, if Booker continues to rotate or if he does absolutely steal one of those guard spots. And then, you know, Seth McLaughlin and Darian get Dowcourt. Um, who's going to come out on top there? I mean, I think both of them are good options. I thought Seth played really well on Saturday other than a few snaps here and there, um, right. but that's – I mean, it's good to have depth, like you said. I mean, we didn't have seven guys last year that we felt comfortable playing um, not four, one not four, one bit. Four if that. Four year. if that. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, so that's really encouraging. We'll transition to the defense real quick. Um, Thought they played a pretty good game on Saturday. Not their best game by any stretch of the imagination. I thought the run defense at times was lacking. Um, But Will Anderson, another incredible game. Dallas Turner had his game of the year. Um, I thought he played outstanding. Um, Jaheim Otis was really good. Um, But I kind of want to focus in on the secondary because – Man, Kool-Aid and Arnold are quite a dang duo to me, Jimmy. I've been very impressed with them, um, even though Kool-Aid had that horse manure P.I. called um, called on him that I didn't think was P.I., thought he played great, um, was in phase, looked at the ball, um, looked to find the ball, and still got called. Um, but what do you think of that duo at corner? I've just been. I think they've been improving steadily game by game as well.
1: Yeah. Thanks to Terry on Arnold. It's been uh, Terry on Arnold has been one of the great stories on the whole team in my mind. And because I went into the year thinking Eli Ricks would be the corner opposite Kool-Aid. I think everybody was kind of believing that and that wasn't just a me thing, uh, because no. Ricks is literally a proven All-American, not a freshman All-American an All-American. He's a third team AP All-American as a true freshman at LSU. Uh, and then I've seen Rick's play and boy, his physical skills are ridiculous. I mean, in terms of his length and speed and, but the fact of the matter is ricks has been hurt. And when mm-hmm. you're hurt, you can't play. And when you can't play, you can't learn a new playbook. And I, I think Rick's, it's not that Rick's has been a disappointment anyway. He's just been hurt and, and he hasn't been able to be out there. And uh, Kyrie Jackson has been okay, but you know, I'm not convinced even now into year or two, that pure cornerback might be his best spot. I'm not sure. I'm still sort of making up my mind about Kyrie. So the fact of the matter is, if Tarion Arnold hadn't developed in the way he has, cornerback could have been a real issue at Alabama right now. But and in year two, he redshirted a year ago, has been fantastic. And and of course, Kool-Aid, to me, was super hyped and is living up to the hype. And that's hard to do. And he really is doing that, both as a cornerback and punt returner. I think as a duo, they've been really, really good. They can be even better. And I think they're going to get better because of their, their age. And Kool-Aid is really developing to me, a Dre Kirkpatrick level swag to his game a little bit. I'm not saying he, it's apples to apples comparison, but in terms of the confidence that Kool-Aid's playing with reminds me of Dre. And, uh, I like how Kool-Aid can give up a play, but it doesn't, he doesn't let it affect him. um, I think they're both really good, and, and Battle and Helms are basically pros playing out there at safety. I think they're both NFL-level pro safeties, uh, and, and and with their experience, uh, they've been a real – I'm telling you, those DBs played really good. Uh, the front seven's been, been good all season. This is why Alabama's defense is ranked so highly in all these statistics. But against Arkansas, Hampton, I think the DBs, if we're picking out a unit – that 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 showed out the most against Arkansas to me is the DBs. They gave up nothing to KJ Jefferson. He he had almost zero passing um, uh efficiency and very few yards and uh the, the defense uh defensive backs were fantastic in coverage and they come up and make plays in the run game. Uh hated that we lost Brian Branch for about half that game, but Malachi came in, did pretty well and uh one thing I noticed I didn't notice live. That's why I like doing my my rewatch series. Mm-hmm. I didn't notice this as much live, but when Branch had to leave and Malachi came in and played star, that means we needed a new money because Malachi Mm -hmm. is normally the money. When we go to six, I didn't notice until today, frankly, (laughs) it went to six DBs that it was Devontae Smith. Somehow this flew over my head in the game, Mm -hmm. but Devontae Smith came in and played money. Uh, When we were in dime, probably no more than five or six snaps. We're not in dime a lot. Mm-hmm. And we love nickel and, and the offense can force us being in the dime by who they use as their personnel, but we're not in, we weren't in dime a lot and we didn't do it a lot, but it was very interesting to me that it was Devontae Smith in uh, as that six DB. And uh, he did fine. I watched him very closely today on all the snaps. He, he didn't do much, but he also didn't, didn't give up much, which mm-hmm. is ask of those DBs. I thought as a, as a whole, they were fantastic against Arkansas. This is a good group. Uh, It's a veteran group. They're young at corner, but Kool-Aid started big games last Mm -hmm. year. And uh, and Brian Branch is a veteran at at STAR, which is a half corner, half safety. And, uh, of course, Battle and Helms are as as veteran as you get. But I love this DB group at Alabama, all five, all six. And uh, the front seven has been great. Uh, I think the inside linebackers maybe didn't have their best game. I'm not criticizing them in the sense that they were bad. They weren't. But I I'd, I'd seen Henry have a better game. I've seen Moody have a better game than what they did this weekend. Uh, but but boy, here comes Deontay Lawson, who's pulling a little bit of a Tyler Booker. I think yep. the linebacker. I think he's sort of taking snaps from Moody. Moody's not losing snaps so much as Lawson's taking them. Mm-hmm. Along the Booker situation on the offensive line, and of course we have a third outside linebacker in Chris Braswell, who played quite a bit in the second half and was really good. Uh, mm-hmm. He's out there. So uh, really good performance by the defense. Uh, I don't know that they're number one in total defense nationally. I'm not sure if they're one. I know they're certainly in the top five. Uh, this is a very, very good defense. That was a big challenge. And they stepped up and uh, excited to see what they do against an AM offense that's struggling.
0: Mm-hmm. And what's also encouraging is probably there are three to four would-be sacks that would be sacks on 95% of opposing quarterbacks, but KJ Jefferson is a tank and made two or three just incredible plays when he was in the grasp of Will Anderson, Dallas Turner, Braswell, Henry T. Um, against another quarterback, you're gonna he's gonna be put on the ground, and that uh, gets your defense off the field quicker. Um, and so I, I totally agree with you. And Deontay Lawson, he's been really, really, really good. I mean, he just pops off the television every time you watch him with the way he penetrates, the um, way he attacks the ball carrier in the backfield. I think he's been really good, and his future um, is for sure, Brian. And I know he came, you know, from your neck of the woods in Mobile. Um, so uh, I know you're excited to kind of see him really step up and have a big role
1: in this team. Yeah, and and, and what, I, what I love about it is, you know, you have a starter in Moody. You have a starter in Henry To'o, To'o. Uh, but Lawson's been so good, he's taking their snaps. It's, mm-hmm. it's not, the, hey, let's see how he does, or, hey, we better play Lawson. He's going to be a guy we really depend on next year when when 10 and 42 are gone. Uh, mm-hmm. Lawson, Lawson's been so good, he, he, you just have to put him out there. He made one of the big plays of the day on the two-point conversion when Arkansas had uh, went for two uh, to, to make the math right. They went for two, and uh, he had to tackle K.J. Jefferson – in the middle mm-hmm. of the by himself, and he did. Uh, yeah, Lawson's such a good athlete, such a good kid too. He's mm-hmm. gonna go, I think, Hampton next season, and and it's crazy talking about next season when this season's going pretty well. But next season, Deontay's gonna be the leader of that inside linebacker group. Group. He's gonna be the Henry Toa Toa next year, uh, and he's such a good kid, like Henry. He he he's a natural leader, smart, uh, loves football. Uh, very well spoken. Uh, Deontay Lawson will be a huge star at Alabama next season.
0: Yeah. Can't wait. Can't wait to see him in a, a bigger role and be the leader of that defense, like you said. And with that, we'll be, um, we'll kind of move on from the Arkansas game and look forward to the AM game. Um, AM comes into town after losing to Mississippi State 42 to 24, I believe was the final score. Um, They're in a bad way, Jimmy. They're not living up to expectations. Their offense is inept. I don't know if they know who's going to play quarterback this week because Max Johnson um, hurt his hand against Mississippi State. So it may be him. It may be Haynes King. They've lost to Nia Smith for the year. Things are not going well in College Station, Texas. So I want to ask you, how do you feel Alabama matches up if Milrow plays quarterback – facing their defense because um, I think you know Bryce's status is a little bit up in the air um, I know you said on a pod earlier this week we don't want to spoil Saban's surprise or the leverage that we have of not knowing which quarterback going to play um, and honestly, I honestly think it's a little bit more interesting to talk about if we think Melrose is going to play so how do you see Alabama's offense with Melrose attacking the Texas A&M defense
1: yeah, exactly. As you say, Hampton, uh, I, I wish I had the inside scoop to tell everybody, or I wish I had it even for myself, even if I couldn't tell everybody. I don't know who the quarterback's going to be Saturday. I don't know that it's not going to be Bryce. I don't know that it is. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I know one thing, that it is extremely helpful to Alabama that no one knows. It's mm-hmm. very, It helps Alabama. It helps Jalen Milrow if he's the quarterback. It helps Nick Saban. Uh, I know fans would love to know but this is something we all need to be in on and that's that hey it's a big advantage because they're so different A&M now has to spend considerable practice time on Milro. then they have to spend considerable practice time on the Bryce offense and this is a tremendous advantage to Alabama so Alabama fans should be in on it just like Nick and be like hey hey even if we knew we wouldn't tell you and mm-hmm. uh, But to be just completely honest, I don't know. But regardless, even if I did, I wouldn't say. (laughs) But I don't know. I really don't. Uh, I think Bryce is literally, as Nick calls it, day to day. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, the shoulder is uh, sprained, and he's getting a lot of therapy. And he may wake up tomorrow and go, I feel like a million bucks. Or it may still hurt to throw a football next Saturday. I don't know. But uh, I do know that if Jalen Milrow is the quarterback, I still like Alabama's position quite a bit. I think the Vegas line of over 20 points is based on Milrow playing and not Bryce. Uh and has really struggled on offense, and it struggled. they've struggled this bad. If you think about it, uh, if they fire Jimbo Fisher, and I don't think they will, by the way. They won't. But if they do. That buyout's they, too much. <laughs> not, it will have $80 million. A- yeah. over, over $80 million. The fact that it's even being discussed and joked about is indicative of how bad the problems are. The mm-hmm. fact that the fact that you would even bring it up when he would be owed that much money shows that they do have issues. I think all his AM teams have lost three or four games except one, and that was during the COVID year when everybody only played 10 games. Mm-hmm. Um the, the, the expectations were pretty high. They started out in the preseason top 10. They've fallen out of the top 25 and not only have lost two games, they they should have lost to Arkansas. They they just got lucky, frankly. They were just lucky to beat Arkansas. Mm-hmm. Arkansas outplayed them and was the better team. And I'll tell you right now, Arkansas is just a better team than Texas A&M. I, I'm sure how A&M uh, did that with smoke and mirrors. A&M could have also easily lost to Miami, who's not good. They got waxed by Middle Tennessee. Uh, this A&M offense is really struggling. Uh, I hate that I can't remember the guy's name, but somebody on SEC Network uh, with a great line said, uh, Texas A&M is Iowa with five stars. And <laughs> <laughs> As and harsh but true. Harsh but true. That's exactly right. That's good. Uh, that's a good line. I wish I'd come up with that. But so it's been a struggle, right? So you expect Alabama to win by 20 with Jalen Milro at quarterback. Well, Guess what? The same scenario was there last year. Uh AM had just lost to Mississippi State. Alabama was a 20-point favorite. No one saw Alabama losing to Texas AM a year ago. AM hadn't been playing well. AM ended up finishing last year eight and four, even though they beat Alabama. Uh that that that's that's the message that Nick Saban's sending to his team. And that's the message everyone needs to know. They're still dangerous. They got dudes. Their dudes are young. This is a young a team. It's really freshmen and sophomores, and they're good. The back is great. The back can make plays even with no blocking. Uh, A-chain, he, he, he's a player. Mm-hmm. Their defensive line is full of future NFL first-rounders. They're just very young. Uh, it's a dangerous team. But even with Milrow on the field, I like Alabama's chances quite a bit this weekend. Hey, this is one time Hampton, Oh, I think we all know the Alabama uh, uh, you know, the Alabama franchise under Nick Saban. I don't know that our kids look at Nick like, like he's their dad. I don't know that he's the father figure coach. I don't think that describes Nick Saban. Uh, I think they respect him. And when he says something, they believe it. Mm-hmm. And they know that if they listen to him, that their futures are very bright. If they do it the way Nick wants, things will work out. They, they trust him. But this is one game, Hampton, where I think for the first time in the Nick Saban 16 years, this is a do-it-for-coach game. I, I think there's going to be some real emotion uh, on Al- for Alabama's team this weekend. I think they're really going to want to win this game big uh, for coach, and that's not something we've seen before at Alabama because Nick Saban's not that type of coach or that type of guy that inspires that. He's more by the book, being so professional, you know, do your job kind of guy. But this weekend feels a little more touchy-feely to me. I think I I can see the Alabama players getting together and saying, hey, this week, let's do it for coach. Yeah,
0: I agree with that. And not only the motivation of what happened over the summer with Nick and Jimbo, but also A lot of our marquee players did not play well in that game last year. I mean, Will Anderson arguably had his worst game of the year um, against the Aggies in College Station. Um, A lot of the defense did. Um, Probably that and the Florida game were their two worst games of the year, um, along with Arkansas possibly. But I think there's a little added motivation for them to kind of set the record straight, not only for their coach, but for themselves. Um, to kind of have a little bit of a bounce-back performance. And I'm looking forward to seeing that um, on Saturday. Real quick before I let you go, how do you think Bill O'Brien's going to craft a game plan um, to attack AM with Milrow at quarterback? Do you see a lot more running game, design QB runs, read option being involved, RPOs, slants? Um, because as me and my friends joke, uh, and the old bunker, you know, A and M should run a nine-two defense with all because all they do is sign five-star defensive linemen. It, it seems that's how they get um, their high consistency rating. But
1: how do you see uh, them, the Alabama offense, attacking that A and M defense? If Melrose, the quarterback and A and M wants to put more than three or four three-hundred-pound defensive linemen on the field, I hope so. Good luck, Taylor. <laughs> I mean, if they put, you know, if they go big and strong up front with all their uh, multitude of five-star defensive linemen. Uh, I don't think that's going to affect the Milrow game very much. I think it starts with this, Hampton. Uh, I'm certainly no offensive coordinator or know exactly how that works in every instance. But I'm pretty sure that on Sunday afternoon, uh, Jalen Milrow came into Bill's office and they sat down for the first time, for the very first time this ever happened. And probably they had a meeting where Bill O'Brien said, Jalen, Tell me what you like to run. Mm
0: -hmm. What
1: plays do we have? What plays do we practice? What is in this playbook that you like? Uh, What are you comfortable doing? Because Milrow's never been in this position before. He's always been Bryce's backup. He's always been learning the offense. We've never had to build anything around Milrow. I know Bill O'Brien enough to know that's where it starts. What are you comfortable with? What do you like? And, And it builds from there you build a plan and you build a script based on what Milrow does best and based on what Jalen is very comfortable with. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: You might even be surprised when you have that meeting to know that, I mean, you know, I'm just making this up, but, but you know, what if we have, you know, a a route where there's three verticals and one underneath and and Milrow's like, uh, that's my favorite play. We got in the playbook. I love this. And and I love doing, (laughs) you never know what he's going to say and what he, but, the, po- the whole point to that is is this. We've never built a plan around Jalen Milrow. We've never asked Jalen. We've never had to do it before. Well, now we're doing it. Mm-hmm. Regardless of what Bryce's shoulder is like, you have to assume that Bryce won't be healthy before next Saturday, so we got to build something around Milrow. I'm just as curious to, to see it as anyone else. I think it's, it's fair to assume there'll be a lot of RPOs and a lot of quarterback runs. That's fair. That's almost obvious, but I think people might be surprised and, and by that I mean uh, I think the coaches have more confidence in Milrow than we might think as a thrower and uh, while the throws might be simple, while it won't look like what we do with Bryce, uh, I won't be surprised at all if Milrow ends up being very productive when we build something around what he's comfortable with and last Saturday we thrust him out there with the Bryce offense. There's mm-hmm. a so much you can change and there's only so much you can do this week. They can do a lot. And my last point is when Matt Jones came off the bench, uh, when Tua got hurt, he did a pretty good job. He was okay, mm-hmm. but his numbers did nothing to raise your eyebrows mm-hmm. next week. When Matt got to start a game and we built the whole thing around him, it was completely different. Matt oh, was really impressive. And, mm-hmm. and that thing that we're likely to see, uh, but AM is pretty good on defense. There'll be a good challenge, especially defensively. Uh, my my last thought for this weekend, Hampton, is, and since we may have our redshirt freshman quarterback out there again uh, this weekend against A and uh, the defense needs to challenge themselves to pitch a shutout. And I know that's a heck of a. a, a yeah, thing. I love that. It's a heck of a thing to ask, but mm-hmm. but if you're Golding and you're talking to your defense. You're like, hey, this is Milrose game. And we got to do as much as we can to help him. And that means a goose egg on that scoreboard, a goose egg. Help help Jalen Milrow by throwing a goose egg up there. And, and you know that conversation has happened. So uh, I, I'm looking forward to this. Uh, I'm not predicting a, a 63 to nothing Alabama type win. But I think the motivation is there. I think Alabama's got a defense to pitch a shutout. And uh, uh, even with Jalen Milrow in the game, Uh, I suspect Alabama's going to win this weekend uh, pretty easily. Mm -hmm. So to
0: add to your point, Jimmy, about Milrow possibly wanting more throws incorporated in the playbook, I think they're going to have to do that because the A&M defense is going to want to key in, bring people up in the box to make him throw the ball because they know that's what he likes to do is to run the ball. Um, And so if you hit a couple passes early, that loosens up that box. You get him and Gibbs going, throw in McClellan, um, and then Alabama's off to the races. I think it's going to be a really fun uh, Saturday night in Tuscaloosa. I'm going to be there. I'm looking forward to it. Um, can't wait. Before we get out of here, what's your score prediction um, for the alabama Tech a and m game?
1: You yeah, haven't settled on a final score just yet. I'm going to give it some additional thoughts, so, uh, so so, tune in to my Twitter account, Bama Insider, uh, as I think about through the week. But r- as of right now, I think Alabama's going to win this game – Around 35 to 14.
0: Okay. I like it. Well, that will do it, Jimmy. Thank you so much for hopping on uh, with me tonight to talk a little Alabama football. It's always a pleasure uh, to talk with someone I respect so much and uh, that does a great job. So appreciate you coming on,
1: man. And let everyone know where they can find you online. Yeah. Just uh, BamaInsider.com uh, on the On3 Sports uh, Network. Uh, there was my good teammates clint lamb and joseph hastings and andrew bone and kyle henderson we have a blast over there i mean uh, we, I, I don't want to sound like uh kool-aid mckinstry and being all super swag but we believe we're the best team uh that covers alabama football anywhere on the internet and you can uh join the uh, website for uh, ten dollars for the whole year uh right now as we're trying to build the biggest best alabama uh site of all time that's the goal And I believe we're within a year away of achieving that. But what I really want to do is thank Hampton for all his support. Hampton's been very supportive of my career. Hampton's been uh, uh, a really big uh, uh, part of uh, our success and and my success. I really appreciate uh, what he does. And for everybody that listens to Hampton's show every week, I understand why. He's a very bright guy that knows the program extremely well, knows the team extremely well. It's just an honor to be on his show.
0: Well, I appreciate that, Jimmy. I've been following you since the Talking Tuscaloosa day, so that means a lot coming from you, man. I appreciate it, and you keep up the good work. And for those listening to us tonight, thank you for stopping by and listening to the Pigskin Cafe. If you haven't done so already, subscribe to our YouTube channel, leave a like, leave a comment, and hit that notification bell. We will be back later this week. I'll be back with Graham to preview College Football Week 6 But the Pigskin Cafe is closed for now. But until next time, chew on that.